the podcast that says are you part of the alita army i'm greg i'm jordan i'm kendall and this week we're back we're reviewing a dinosaur story exactly not yet no yeah we're not there yet (laughs) (laughs) we are reviewing transformers war for cybertron earthrise episode one it's interesting start to this season very interesting, but we will get into it. Anyway, Kendall, do we have uh, do we have any news on IMDb for for the series uh, or this season? Rather, the original transform the original Transformers cartoon opened with Bumblebee and Wheeljack searching for energon rods on Cybertron God whilst being it, hunted by seekers. <laughs> the opening of this episode is an homage to this. <laughs> okay. I don't agree with that. I don't. I don't think that. Ooh. I don't think Bumblebee or Wheeljack. We're searching for Energon rods in the beginning of this. Uh, I think they used the copy of Wheeljack near the end, though. Yeah, well, full disclosure, this joke was planned to <laughs> 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 Also, I just want to acknowledge that uh, that Emily has decided to sit out this season. Um, she wasn't feeling the show and uh, didn't want to be the the downer on every episode, so... Uh, that's why that's why Emily's here. We didn't get in a fight, <laughs> but as but you well, can still and... hear her on TWA. In fact, I think she's on the uh, uh, Christmas episode with <laughs> with Luke and other noted certain uh, fans of of certain fiction uh, TWA audio entropy characters talking about how we shrunk ourselves. Oh yes, I did part two of that, which comes out this week. Ooh. There was a Honey We Shrunk Ourselves too. No, 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 no. The Honey We Shrunk Ourselves. That was the third direct-to-video. Yeah, I know what Honey sequel. We Shrunk Ourselves was. I am a millennial. Oh. <laughs> Look, I know, I know, Jordan. I know you were like you were like forty-five when that came out. <laughs> but, but I was. I like didn't 12. actually watch Honey I Shrunk Ourselves. I knew there was a TV series, and I, I think, yeah, I think I went on a ride in in Florida at one point. Which apparently is like one of their best, like one of their more popular rides down there. Like one of the interactive, you know, movie rides that they have. Oh, yeah. The Honey, We, Sh- we Shrunk the Audience thing. Uh-huh, but that was that was a thing. Yeah, I don't think it yeah. exists anymore because they changed the Honey, We Honey we Shrunk the Kids st- stuff to A Bug's Life uh, a while ago. Oh. Um, yeah. 
I don't remember how much long ago it was, but it was a long time ago. Uh, but jo- yeah, I Jordan, actually, how old are you? Because I always I forget uh, if you're like two years older than me. How much are you? <laughs> thirty nine. Thirty nine. Okay, so you are a little bit old. I'm thirty. Th- I just turned mm-hmm. thirty three, and then yeah. and then we all know that Greg is forty five. Mm. <laughs> Actually, I turned 38 in like six days. Yeah, okay. it's it's always I've, it's always been like that because of my July birthday. I kind of started like a year later in school. So I've always been like a year older than most people. Mm. But mm. as it is, I'm like still in the general like if there's if there's one thing I've always been, it's like I never act my age is is kind of one of those uh, things. Uh, so uh, so okay. it's always so people have always are always like. If it wasn't for a beard, they would not have any good idea where what what my age was. Yeah, I I don't know. Sometimes it's, I think it's important to to like ground yourself in that because like I mm-hmm. never know how old people on the radio on the on the radio how old people on podcasts <laughs> are. They're usually either exactly my age or or like 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 you like like slightly older or or if the podcast is bad, they're younger. Um, <laughs> well. We're we're radio of the internet, Kendall. That's yeah. that's how you can radio. look at it. I'm so oh my gosh. <laughs> <sighs> oh, I'm, I don't know, but that yeah, but no, I definitely saw Honey We Shrunk Ourselves more than Honey We Shrunk Our Kid, Honey We Shrunk the Kids as as an adult. Like that was or as a kid. Oh, they they mentioned it's the complicated how they had a tape. Like some of them were talking about how on the first episode how they watched. Uh, they they had a tape, and so they were they. It was basically one of those things that they watched as a kid a lot, uh-huh. and they mentioned that one of the places they watched it was this like huge RV that had a TV like built into the bot like built into between the two uh, front seats for the kids, and like it was like one of those big old RVs that could hold like nine people or something like that. Oh like, yeah, and I'm like I know exactly what that is because we had that same one too. There was like. <laughs> There was like uh, two like two middle seats that had little uh, places that you could actually put like little uh, tables in. Mm-hmm. It, Jeez, so. yeah, it was a huge, it was a huge thing. Yeah, yeah, there were a lot of yeah that kind of stuff. Uh, Reddit was uh, was going crazy. I know because I was on Twitter, and whenever you know it's a big deal on Reddit if a Reddit thinks bleeds over to Twitter, but like mm-hmm. some some. Uh, some zoomer had found uh, a uh, a listing for a, a minivan that had a built-in uh, Nintendo 64. I was like <laughs> going crazy for it, but that was totally a thing. Um, so, uh, Jordan, what's the TF Wiki say? Okay, so there's not actually a lot yet because this is literally uh, we're record. In case you haven't realized, we're recording this on the day that the series opened, so the. Uh, it not it took a while for even the F- episode one summary and stuff to be put up, but man, they were they they got it up there pretty fast. Hint hint Hasbro, you should send us uh, Blu-rays <laughs> of of uh, of King Kingdom Come or whatever it's called. Um. So, but they did at least uh, currently. There's at least two Transformers references, and that is that Steel jo- mentions that Steeljaw is a reprint of Ravage in his brief appearance. Uh, we'll probably get that in the episode, but if you don't remember who Sealjaw is, or at least in this kind of reference, they're probably thing. He was a gold lion cassette, uh, transformer for blaster. 
Uh, I mean, I kind of remember him in the movie with, with the big fight when all the little cassette robots were fighting each other. But uh, I do like how in the reference, someone also added to that sentence, don't hold out hope for a toy. Who would he come with? Sunder. Which, as I was talking to uh, about uh, off-air with you guys, is the gold laser beak redeco that uh, Blaster also had. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know, I would have buy a Steel Jaw and Sunder two-pack, maybe. I know that uh, there are some two-packs out there for the cassettes. I just can't remember which yeah. ones are out there right now. Yeah. And then uh, another, and I'm just going to quote this word for word here, is uh, some fans thought it odd that a new character, Refractor De- Redeco, named Scrapface, shipped in the first wave of Walmart-exclusive War for Cybertron product, but didn't appear in the Siege cartoon. Well, here he is. Yep. So yeah, we, we get yep. we get that one pretty early on, too, actually. Yep. Um, and that's all they have, like, on the side itself in there. I did notice... And this is more of like in a general thing. I noticed that uh, in the opening credits, not only do we get like a we get some like you know pictures flashing across, we get the arc, but we also get the Nemesis ship, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting, especially since the term Nemesis comes up in this episode a lot. It uh, does. And uh, you one are of the not my nemesis. Told... <laughs> my nemesis is Captain Hammer. <laughs> And uh, one of the screenshots I took, uh, which included the, the now the mercenary faction that's in this series, uh, has, you know, basically has like plotted courses of the of the arc and the uh, of the nemesis and some of the third arc, which I am guessing is going to become important, all reaching a certain point. We can kind of guess what that point is going to be, I'm sure. I know what it is, because I watched them all already. <laughs> well, I mean, it's called Earthrise. I mean, <laughs> it, you, you think. But anyways, actually, now that I think about it, I don't remember if there is a planet at that point. Like, there's a little stylized planet, like, in the background of there. Eh. Uh, if we got time, I would like to mention real something real quick about the, uh, the toy lines, though. Because mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you... If, I mentioned before about the combat system, right? The the how they had like this whole neat little thing with the extra things about the the weapons being interchangeable, customizable, as well as having like po- like uh, five millimeter posts and stuff on the the robots themselves. To yeah, like, my Magnus has a couple of them actually. Yeah, um, and I don't know if I remember if I told you what the combat because that's an acronym stood for was the Cyber. Cybertonia Omnifunctional Module Battlefield Assault Tech System. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of that, like I think we did mention, is that that means that there's some characters that are called weaponizers. Um, most notably in the in Siege, that was Cog. He's when he like transformed to you know th- land on uh, RC's back. But the thing is, is that there's also able to come apart in pieces and be like other weapons besides just the whole backpack gun thing oh it's almost like a target master yeah like 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 he can like uh like i mentioned uh some of the the toys from kingdom like he parts of him can completely come apart besides so like the backpack with the guns is like only half of him and then the other parts can become like other weapons that the person can hold or wear or or use Hmm, cool 
And um, I think I also definitely remember mentioning how there's like little things for like blaster fire and explosions and stuff that you can either put on both robots to show like damage or from at the tips of guns and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so apparently, though, that carries over into the uh, Earthrise series as well. Oh, and cool. but on top of that, there's also a new feature called the Air Lock System, and Air stands for Adaptable Interconnection Retrofitter Retrofitter Lock System, oh. which basically means that there are some uh, some of the smaller ones that are more than just like you know the weapon masters or or target master kinds of things, but they turn into, <laughs> for lack of a better word, they turn into ramps. <laughs> Like, they can be used as, like, they have, like, parts and things on them to make them, like, also shields, so, but they're literally, like, little, those little, like, little rectangular or whatever shaped squares for cars, you know, to go up to on there. And that's because that in this series, there are actual robots that are called modulators, basically sentient Cybertronians who form bases for their comrades. Um, Notably, I think Skylinks is... uh, a large class that ha- and Scorponok are turns into modulator bases that that have ramps and such. Oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense, especially with the yeah. So Scorponok. and the idea is that these these folks that are part of the airlock system not only can serve as like I said they have backings on them so they can be kind of like you know large shields, but they actually can be like roadways and ramps and such between the modulators, so you could create like a little. Uh, you know, robotic play sets. Mm-hmm. Um, both actually have one of the, another interesting thing about them is that the scale is uh, they really paid a lot of attention to the scale for these two for Earthrise and Siege, and that uh, they tried very much to things stick close to the relative heights as in the original cartoon and what the, you kind of see in the cartoon as well. Which so you know uh, those robots that specifically like. All, are all turn into like a gun or micromasters. They are made to be, you know, micromaster size. They're small. They don't ever like really cons- inconsistently change size. The, uh, except for like, I think we mentioned once in COG where it's like bottom half disappears there. Like when he transforms into a gun, he still kind of keeps the part of him that turns into the backpack gun still keeps, you know, mass and stuff like that. Um, and I think this is going to continue on into the next toy series, which we'll get to when we do kingdoms, I'm sure. Uh, But they added new factions and like, they actually like they're like recognized factions with symbols and stuff now. So there's the mercenaries and the quintessence, which I was surprised about, but anyways, the, that the only point that's out because this is the first ever toy of the five face generation one quintessent judge, which I think, we actually talked about but this is the series that it comes out in mm-hmm. yep and I oh think that's, we'll get there we'll get I, there yeah and i think that's all yeah that's pretty much it for the toys until we get to kingdom which has some other fun stuff there but like i said i think it's best we just wait until even if all the kingdom stuff oh uh another interesting thing about the Earthrise that i might want to point out uh, all the toys, like a lot of, the, or at least a lot of the toys, came with uh, a backing thing that's like like a universe map that's t- printed on like uh, on the interior of the packages that you can like basically cut out and turn into, it. and it basically trot trot uh, plots the course of the arc from planet to planet, as well as other Cybertronian planets that are along the way, 
Oh, so cool. uh, I think one of the neat things that this implies that we didn't actually hear about in Siege is that there's other Cybertronians out there on other planets that are actually out and doing stuff. Yeah. Like, we didn't really get that. And and so Earthrise now makes it that known that, yeah, there are other, there are other uh, tra- Transformers out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah. Not only with, with this series, but also if it touches on it in Kingdom as well. Yeah. Nice. So. Yeah. Yep, I that... think that's pretty much all we've got to, for extra stuff before we get into the episode. Yeah. So, getting into this episode, we get into it pretty quickly, actually, with the action here. Um, we open up on the sort of cloudy, dusty sort of site where we've got some seekers that are patrolling around and one of them gets caught yeah one of them gets sniped like within the first 30 seconds of the episode but the interesting thing is so it looks like it's some sort of a prison and so initially you would think that it would be a prison for autobots but we haven't really seen many autobot prisoners so as it turns out these are decepticons that are being held and sure enough, the aforementioned scrap face is picked up and they're dragging him out. He's like, I'm, I'm a loyal Decepticon. And they're apparently going to send him to the arena, which we would have seen in Siege. And it's alluded to where he says, anyone who's sent to the arena doesn't come back, though. So that sort of seems a little nefarious to begin with. Um, yeah. But just as the, the Seekers are sort of getting ready to, you know, rough them up a little bit more, we've got Elita and Jetfire, Chromia and Red Alert, who literally have come to, you know, rescue these prisoners, so, thinking that it's more Autobots. So I I didn't remember. I thought Chromia died last season. No, no. Um, that was Moonracer. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. Moonracer and Chromia had the same. Uh, same they were the ones that had the same just... design. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I just I yeah wanted to clarify that I got them mixed up. And then RC went with Optimus, right? In the yes. arc. Yes. Okay. Yes. Got to get get all the ladies straight. Who cares about the dudes? They all look <laughs> the same. But uh, got the ladies actually have character arcs, so mm-hmm. we gotta. Mm-hmm. We do actually, yeah, we do get some character arcs for them this season, which is nice. Yeah. All right. Well, so, I, oh, you, Mr. I watched it all already. Well, I did. <laughs> so the, one of the things that we get right before we, we get the, the new intro for the season is, uh, Elita tells all the Decepticons, you're free. Just, you can go. And they, they sort of look at her up completely puzzled at first and she you know insists that they you know just go so they go off and we get some Uh, dramatic music playing yeah i got i got a clip here this is uh this is when they first realize that it's decepticons in the in the prison you you've got enough spark in you left to walk out of your feet i'm not supposed to be here there's a mistake. It's, it's a mistake. You're the only mistake I see here. Time for the I'm arena. Not supposed to be here no one ever comes back from that. <laughs> I, I shouldn't be here. I'm a loyal disciple. <laughs> Get moving. 
I hope that I did not blow out the recording there because that was a lot louder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> no, it sounded uh, okay. Yeah. No, it sounded okay on your side. We'll see. We'll see how yeah. it sounds in the actual recording. But Very right, true. it's okay. Uh, that's okay. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that, that was a, that was really interesting. Um, and I like I like you know right after that you know they they realize you know they take that moment to realize you guys that are in jail are you know are are our enemy and uh she still she still says let him out yeah mm-hmm. and even though uh, uh, uh what's his name uh jet guy jetfire 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 is who who by the way he used to be a he used to be a predacon uh, Silverbolt <laughs> needs to talk to him. Uh, Decepticon, rather. Uh, you know, he used to be a Decepticon, and he's very, but he's very untrusting. Which is either, I don't know, which is either telling of of Decepticons or uh, or maybe he should be quiet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah do... I, I I have something to say, but when we get to a certain point, I want to mention it. We we do see uh, that Jetfire though does have an Autobot symbol now. It's, yes, it's it's replaced his Decepticon logo, which is nice. So we we move from that scene. We get the the new intro, and we immediately move to uh, the arena, or rather, sort of the dining meeting room that we had last season. We've got the the picture okay, of Megatron okay. up on the wall. And we've got Megatron talking. To oh, hey, somebody. hey, Kendall, do you think that's uh, Alpha Tri- Alpha Trion underneath uh, Megatron there in the in the picture? I don't even remember what the picture is. It's it's him holding. It's Megatron over a robotic form with a sword with it like stabbed into. Him, oh like he's yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember agree. how we were wondering like what happened and whether he was the one who killed Alpha Trion. Yeah, yeah, he had to have been the one that killed Alpha Trion, or 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 optimus did yeah and i when i saw that i was wondering is that alpha trion or is that just supposed to be like you know propaganda of him just like defeating the auto like a general autobot enemy or or just enemy in general for the revolution can we have some flashbacks flashbacks. so we would tell that that a rhetorical question now kendall what yeah was that a rhetorical question? Yeah, don't spoil it. Don't no spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers, Mister. I watched the thing already. No, because I, I yeah, I, I don't know. My now I'm remembering my fan. Uh, my I hadn't thought about this for three months. So, uh, yeah, no, no. I still I think my fan theory was that was that Optimus was that Optimus was the one that killed Alpha Trion. I think that was my fan theory. If not, then that's what it is. But maybe that Megatron took credit for it or something. Oh, maybe. That's still possible. Um, I'm wondering if maybe this picture is supposed to be like a representation of when he was still fighting in the arena. Ooh, that's another good one. Oh, because they're like in the arena, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, Yeah, I think Greg's right. Uh, but, but we do have Megatron speaking to somebody, and we don't know over the course of it initially. He seems like he's... You know, he's definitely upset. And he's sort of going over what's transpired. Uh, the planet is now sort of in its death kneel, I guess you could say, uh, because of Optimus taking the AllSpark off the planet. And he's assuming that Optimus is dead based on what we had 
what we witnessed last season. So over the course of it, he he sort of goes back and forth and he's like, but you understand more than anyone. And then the calm cuts in and it's Soundwave who apparently Shockwave is at, is requesting him. And so Megatron's like, I'll be right there. And then we we sort of cut back and he's like, you'll have to excuse me, Magnus. As you know, duty waits for no one. And so we see. I liked I liked Ultra Magnus's head as a candy dish. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> now, see, I had the original uh, G1 toy, so I was wondering if that was just his helmet. They never really <laughs> tell us whether it's just a helmet or if it's an actual. Yeah, I, no, I think I think it's his head because, like, in this version, I think it's pretty. The like, I don't know. I haven't gotten the, like you have the Magnus toy. It's not. It's not an arm, armor thing like it was like the G1 toy, is it? It is an armor thing. Oh well, they yeah. never showed it in the cartoon, so I, I guess we'll never know. Yeah. See the the main truck body is like a white mm-hmm. version of Optimus almost. Mm-hmm. So very similar so they did, to the G one version, yeah. And then the the trailer is the armor. And so there's like a little helmet head that put that you put on top of the white so, Optimus for the uh, in the G one for for Ultra Magnus's head. So, so basically, the entire head could be a giant helmet. Yeah. Only with this version, instead of it being like a removable, like helmet head, mm-hmm. the head is attached to the armor, like the shoulders Ooh. of the armor, um, and then the the Optimus head sort of folds down into the body of the truck. Ooh, kind of like the Dragon Sword. Yeah, similar to that. Yeah, like you drape it on the shoulders and it covers the head and it becomes. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. But yes, so so yeah, Megatron is is almost hamleting it up with Ultra Magnus's head. <laughs> it's very Shakespearean. But yes, he he goes wandering off. We we see Magnus's, and we do a zoom in on the head too. Like it's still got the damage from all the torture that it ha- that happened to it, and the mouth's hanging open. We cut to Shockwave, who is working on something. And he reports that uh, Section 12 has fallen below satisfactory output. <laughs> and, and Megatron, of course, goes, well, what section hasn't? Uh, but Shockwave, he makes it come across as, you know, it's not being efficient, which is very Shockwave-ish. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's taking up resources, and he suggests that they take Section 12 offline and recy- recycle their resources for the first mention of Project Nemesis. Dun, dun, dun. So I think that, even one of the little panels he has has a picture of the the spaceship, which, like I said, does. looks very much like the Generation One Nemesis ship. Yeah. So we get a bit of a back and forth between Megatron and Shockwave here. Um, Shockwave sort of reiterates that time is of the essence as well. Um, Megatron tells him that he'll let him know, but he and he sort of reiterates until you do, do not take section 12 offline um but you can definitely tell oh shockwave is such a creepy character because you don't get facial any emoting with his face it's literally, too. literally just the big freaking light in the middle of yeah, his face there's, there's that that's there's a scene where like it's just it the camera the camera in the uh cg cartoon like holds holds a frame on his on his one eye just lo- looking after Megatron after he like did a bow and 
it is still one of the, like a very sinister thing just besides the fact that it's just his eye just a glowing robotic eye it's almost like uh oh like i like how right right Kendall? like i was just talking about right the, right 2001 yeah and he doesn't say i'm sorry a bunch <laughs> <laughs> or i'm afraid not i'm sorry hal doesn't say i'm sorry hal says i'm afraid <laughs> i'm sorry listen to i'm sorry Listen to the Kendall Cast Movie Roundtable if you want to hear other people being very excited about 2001 and Space Odyssey and me really trying to not be <laughs> hating it, but not, but kind of hating it a little bit. I like this. entitled to an opinion. I was happy you guys did Stardust. Like that, like that was, uh, I, it was one of those weird, like, oh, hey, they turned a Neil Gaiman and, uh, what was it, Charlie Vest? comic slash book thing into into a movie how'd it turn out i'm like mm, oh well it's a fun movie like for me that, <laughs> well, that's basically just, what it was, it was like for me <laughs> for, it was my my whole thing was that it, i know that if it, it had hit me at a different time in my life that i would have loved it but mm. it just didn't it didn't hook me um yeah like i i think i think it came out at a very wrong time but but like for everything it was it was okay it had some fun things i know I'll, uh i don't own a copy but i probably should get a copy sometime because it is something i wouldn't mind watching again but yeah. again it's sorry we're going off on tangent <laughs> ninja listen to all my podcasts it's like talking about movies yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, no, this is, that's this is a thing. Um, but yeah, yeah. shockwave, but yeah, shockwave, yeah. no shockwaves. Yeah. Uh, man, he's crazy in this episode. I'm glad that he's, <laughs> he's a character that I, that when I've seen it, when I've read him in comics, I really like him. Um, but I mean, he wasn't in beast wars. I don't think he was in the Michael Bay movies or at least, uh, not. the later ones. Yes. Yeah. I, it's, and it was hard to kind of like understand what he was. Cause wasn't he just in the beginning of the one in a fight. Uh, well, I'm sure he, he made, in... made an appearance, but it wasn't like he was, it was, he wasn't Galvatron or whatever. No, like he wasn't, he, he wasn't, he was one in... of, it wasn't a star scream or yeah. no. Um, he was in dark of the moon. Okay. Yeah. He was in dark. Of okay. The moon Cause he was the one that was, con- remember the, like the, maybe you don't cause it's Michael Bay movie. Um, <laughs> but, uh, he was the one who had the, the, earth burrowing worm mechanical worm thing that he was sort of riding on in that movie yeah i don't remember it uh (laughs) but i don't blame you i mean he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't the main villain the way that he sometimes is portrayed in in things or or that he deserves to be i mean Mm -hmm. he certainly wasn't if he was in I, i don't know you guys remember it's so funny. I think that people that people hate the Michael Bay movies more than me, mostly because they remember them more than me. Um, that very well could be. You know, I'm yeah. I'm not I'm not offended by them, but I also don't like. I mean, why would you watch that twice? <laughs> like, I mean, why would you watch lots of good things? Like, I'm never like I watched Wonder Woman '84 the other day, and I really enjoyed it. It teared up and stuff. But I, I mean, I'm probably never gonna watch it again. Mm-hmm. Like it was fine. It was great. It was good. It was a solid eight out of 10, but I mean, there's, there's movies that I, I haven't watched all the other movies yet. Yeah. I got transformers. Uh, I haven't even watched all the Michael Bay transformers movies. Technically. I haven't seen the fourth one, the, oh. the one with the dinosaurs. 
you know, but I, I got Transformers. I got Transformers Earthrise episodes to watch. Yeah. There's going to be <laughs> new true. episodes of Cobra Kai coming out here soon. I saw. Oh, yeah, that's right. That comes out soon, too. Anyway, we're oh, getting I've off topic. Episodes of Hilda to watch. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so getting getting back to the episode, we cut back to Elita and the other Autobots they're returning to um, sort of like their hideout, which is the old theater that we had from last season, Ratchet's Theater. And Jetfire asks to speak with Alita uh, privately for a moment. So the other two go inside. Privately, they, yes. Yeah. It's not really privately because the, the whole discussion is heard by the others. But <laughs> yeah. they, they have a bit of a back and forth. Like Jetfire is very concerned over the fact that, you know, they've let Decepticons free. And a lot of the, the jails that they've been coming to, it's mainly been Decepticons that they've been coming across thus far. Um like it's a good back and forth because we see that while Elita didn't agree with everything that Optimus necessarily believed in, I think the core tenets of the message that he had, uh, she very much believed in. And I think that's why she sided with him. And so she's looking at all of them as Cybertronians, not just Autobots and Decepticons at this point. She even quotes the uh, freedom is the right of all sentient beings and stuff. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Right the, the they're end. Cybertronians. It's not Decepticons or right. Autobots. It's it's they're Cybertronians being held captive. Yeah, I think that uh, this this scene as well as a, as well as a, a scene coming up. Uh, I think that it's not even that it, it it frames some of the conversations from season one a little bit differently. Um, cause there were, there were conversations where, um, where Alita was clearly not agreeing with Optimus Prime, but, but doing, but, but kind of making the decision, but, but following him anyway, basically, you know, and mm-hmm. he was, and so in that context, it looked more like he wasn't listening. Um, but where, where I take from, from this scene and then from the, from the scene coming up, it's more like, uh. When they're discussing, it's how the Autobots work. When you're you're discussing what should happen, everyone kind of takes a role, plays a role. It's almost a it's almost a devil's advocate kind of thing. So now that now that Alita is the one that is that is in charge, she has to kind of have the argument of this is the big idea, the greater good. I'm at the you know I'm at the top, and then. And then the the people surrounding her are the ones that are gonna they're gonna challenge those those big ideas, yes. and and uh, and even she you know she acknowledges it in the late in the scene coming up she kind of acknowledges like the the problems and everything but then still makes that decision you know makes the decision somebody has to make the decision that's that's how that's how the Autobots work. Um, and, uh, and it, it just, it, yeah, it frames the whole, I, I don't know. It's really interesting to me because it frames the whole series differently. Makes Optimus seem like he was less of a dick last season. It, it does. Yeah. Yeah. I can agree with you on that. I also say this argument kind of makes, uh, Jetfire seem more of a dick, <laughs> but that, that's just because like, it's, um, it's not, not, not a lot. Like, it's just like pushing it towards that, that way. But that's because he's he's trying to be practical and I guess tact both practical and tactical. 
in his way. When considering, like, as a Decepticon, he was starting to feel a little bit pressured for how they were treating their enemies and how he felt like they were going to extremes or anything like that. And here, he's kind of like, well, we really should just let the Decepticons stay in the jail or, like, you know, handle it themselves. Like, he's not he, – and he, I think he even says, like, I'm not saying we should, you know, slaughter them or, or attack them. But we should con- we should really just work on saving just Autobots. Yeah, yeah, because he he puts it more as the more Decepticons that they're freeing are more Decepticons that they're going to have to worry about on the battlefield against them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but. and he he also has I mean he has he probably still has something to prove. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. you, you know he needs to he needs to I mean he's worked his way to basically second in command of the Autobots even though he was a he was a Decepticon 20 minutes ago. Um, <laughs> you, you know, uh, so he's, because he's got something, you know, he's got energy. He's got something to prove. He, he's going to be, he's going to be the opinionated guy. And he's, he's, again, he's kind of finding where he can, where he can come up with his, with his take in the conversation. And I mean, he's mm-hmm. not like, it's not like, it's not like she, um, she unlocked. She told him to unlock the door, and he didn't unlock it. Or I don't remember if he was the one that actually unlocked it. But like, you know, it's not like he did anything to stop anyone from from unlocking the the door. Yeah, he's just he's just ex- and he he doesn't even say like my. I have voiced my concerns. I voiced yeah. my concerns, yeah. which I I really yeah. liked. I really liked that he was just like kind of saying, okay, you know, I'm totally totally gonna follow you, but just this is you know, I wanted to, I needed to speak my speak my mind, have my mm-hmm. peace. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think the thing that going into how the rest of this episode plays out, it I think he can respect the fact that she listened, and he yeah. feels like she's at least acknowledged his concerns. Right, right. Yeah, which we under we understand much more because of this episode as opposed to last season where it, Alita was kind of like in the role of Jetfire and right. Optimus was Alita's, and it just seemed like Optimus wasn't listening. Right, yeah. exactly, exactly, which I, I really I really think and also I mean kind of the gender dynamics of it having the you know kind of shows that 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 Optimus wasn't like just being like misogynistic or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. having them switch switch having the gender the gender roles switched and everything. It's uh it's it's very yeah, it, it does a the good job. The burden of leadership. Yeah, yeah, it's all about yeah, it's about leadership, it's about the thing, yeah. Um I don't know. And as I get older, I do feel like sometimes it's sometimes it's just important to know, uh, you know, like in a work environment or something like there at my old at my old job. I was in, when I was in a leadership role um, and my boss would say, hey, can you train this class starting tomorrow with no preparation? And it's a skill that you don't know. And I would say, well, I'll do it. But I don't think you're setting these these employees up for success. And he would be like. Yeah, I know, but we've, you know, this is what the, you know, this is what we have to do. Um, and, uh, so that was, you know, that's sometimes that's just knowing that like people are acknowledging that you're doing, you're doing the best you can, that you have some concerns. Uh, sometimes it makes a, makes a big difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely does. But yes. So we, Elita moves inside. Uh, we've got, Chromia and Red Alert, who... who heard the entire thing. Yeah, <laughs> but there's, there's uh, even a scene while they're arguing where you basically where they basically sound and you can hear them echoing. 
Yeah. They're sort of looking around like, um, but we, it's like the, it's like a kind of like a, like a rule fourth rule of robotics. Yeah. Yeah. Except for it's, except for it's when two people are talking to each other, everyone can always hear them (laughs) and they don't know. They never know. Well, I guess if you're speaking, if, if the rule is the fifth rule was that, because the fourth rule is you have to, you have to be say all of your inner monologues out loud and then the fifth rule was that you never know that, that you're, you're doing that. It. So maybe that yeah. extends to uh, private conversations. Having a conversation, they can never tell. They don't have that sense that of people of people listening in or or or. or they whatever. say it's private, and then they talk, but they don't realize that it's not private. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's really <laughs> possible. So we get um, Red Alert brings a message from Steeljaw to Alita who is essentially reporting that there's a large prison of Autobots that's in Kaon. So Elita immediately asks for Chromia to prep, you know, for going so far in, sort of making it seem like it's a pretty big distance that they're going to have to cover to be ready for it. And also for Red Alert to prep for survivors. Uh, So, and it seems like this is something they're pretty used to at this point. So we then cut to the prison and we see a cassette that's getting tortured. And as it turns out, Steeljaw has been hacked, sort of similar to what happened with Magnus, I guess, in a sense. Uh, but it's all a plan of star screams, apparently, to uh, set a trap for the Autobots for when they try and come in to make a rescue. I think it's more than just hacked. I think they're just using his dead body to transmit the thing. Yeah. I think poor Steeljaw is not gonna, not not around anymore. Yeah, which is kind of sad. But uh, yes, we we then cut to a. I thought this was still the prison, but apparently it, mm-hmm. it was a different locale at this point. But it, this is Sector Twelve, and we've got a bunch of Decepticon grunts that are working away, and then we've got Megatron who makes an appearance, and so they're all very grovelly and amazed that. Lord Megatron is like, we can't believe it. You, you've you've come to, we're so lucky that you're here. And they immediately start to, to try and give him a tour. And you get a sense that he's sort of surveying things. And he's sort he of taking gets, it all in. I think, uh, I think he's marked as shambles as the, like, uh, the tour guide. Yeah, yeah. It's a very quick scene that we get, though. But uh, Megatron starts following them. We then immediately cut back to Elita and the others as they're sort of scouting this prison. And they immediately take note that there's very few guards for such a large camp, which is a bit disconcerting to them. Uh, Especially Chromia, who's like, I don't like this whatsoever. Although we do get a pretty funny joke with Red Alert, who's like... Is there any camp that we've come across that you have liked? <laughs> <laughs> so let me just jump. Let me just jump in here because I stepped away for like two seconds and I think you missed the mm-hmm. scene I wanted to mention. Um, oh, so I really liked when they were talking about whether or not they should go infiltrate the the camp, mm-hmm. uh, and everybody basically said it was a bad idea. Like you mm-hmm. know, if including including uh, Alita, she was like, yeah. Uh, we're, 
if we don't, uh, you know, if, if, if they get us, there will be nobody left to free us. Um, yeah. Yeah. which is everyone has a bad feeling. That's kind of the kind, that's the sort of argument she would have made last season. But then she makes the decision, even though she's been arguing with herself, she makes the same decision that Optimus would have made, yeah. um, which, which, yeah. ag- which again speaks to uh, speaks to how how the Autobots really work and it speaks to how these these moments are decided. Like, you know, the leader makes the decision. You have your discussion, whatever side you're on, you make the decision, even if even if a lot of things point to. This is going to be risky. You have, you know, you know, this is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. If you have to take the risk, um, yeah, yeah, interesting stuff. No, it's been really good so far. Like seeing this dynamic and how it's changed from last season. Okay, go so, back to what uh, the liking of the camps. <laughs> <laughs> so they they continue to scout it a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Elite asks Chromia, "Well, what do you think?" Chromia's like. Uh, it's your job to make tough decisions. It's just my job to shoot when you tell me to shoot. And so Alita's like, shoot then. <laughs> so, she, so she takes out a guard, goes to take out another guard, red alert, drops some bombs. I do like um, that scene where he just, he literally just drives up, does a, uh, yeah, it does like does a drift a drift. And, and that's a curve at the peak of the curve. He throws out, but he just basically just like lets out from the back of his car form just a bunch of canisters and then drives away yeah no it was a really cool scene it's good yeah. use of their uh of their robotic of their robotic forms yep which we didn't get a lot of in, in, the, in the first series yeah no we definitely get a lot more transformations this season thankfully because uh-huh. yeah it was kind of bad last season Maybe yeah. they listen. Maybe they listen to the podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, well, yeah. We did mention that when uh, Megatron comes up to the scene, he just rolls in there as a tank. Oh yeah, like he just chugs along. So he doesn't just walk up or he flies a ship in. He he just zooms in there. Oh shoot! Did I miss that scene too? Where yeah. he where he rolls in? I got yeah. that. I got the sound clip for that. Did you see that? Is that? It couldn't be. Here. We can't believe it. Welcome. We're so lucky to have you here. The mighty Megatron here in Sector 12. I'm always here for all. My loyal Decepticons. <laughs> Let me give you a tour. Yes. I'll show you around. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and like I said, you could hear Shambles there, who's yeah. obviously a Megatron fanboy. I lo- I love that about him. <laughs> I love yeah. I love him having like the like a peg leg practically and and like a limp to it and he's just so yeah just so excited and that that also that scene it reminds me of this old joke so uh so a viola player um comes comes uh comes home and she sees that her there's uh her house is on fire and uh and um and there are police and fire trucks in front of the car or in front of the house and she she walks she runs up and she gets somebody and says, what happened? What happened? And they said, 
Well, the maestro came to your house and he set it on fire and he murdered your family and everything that you own is destroyed and all this stuff. And she says, wait a minute, the maestro came to my house. <laughs> Get it? Cause she's a viola player and nobody cares about viola players. Mm. <laughs> Oh my! I get the tone. Yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I will never, I will never give up the opportunity to, to, to tell a musician joke. Okay, we can jump back to wherever we were in the episode now. Apologies. Well, for, it, it, it's for funny that you made that joke because we, because we're back to Sector Twelve as, as they're giving Megatron the grand tour. They've they've switched to munitions recycling. Uh, and they're only operating at about 22%. But uh, they make mention that uh, once they get a new workforce in and the supply flow can be reestablished, then they should be able to double it. Um, I like so, that, double it up to 44%. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we do get a bit more fanning it, fanboying out as well because he talks about, you know, when he when Megatron was in the arena and, you know, he's very... It's like, no matter what, you can count on us, Lord Megatron. He's like spoken like a true Decepticon. Uh, so then he goes on to ask how many are, are stationed there. We come to find out there's 57 there. Uh, but then just as he mentions oh, that. Oh, before he shows, there? before that, he doesn't. He also mentions that he watched. Not only did he watch him, but he knew he was someone to follow. Yes. That, you know, that those, 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 uh fights that he was in you know showed him that showed him that megatron was made basically like he was amazing like he was he was awesome and that he was the one that he should follow mm-hmm. yeah and it it seems like you know it's not that megatron is necessarily receptive to it or you know pleased that he's being praised in such a way but it's more like he's just he's playing that role you know the oh yes you're you're a valiant spoken like a true decepticon though not nearly as pomp or emotional so very very so it's really interesting trained. it's really interesting to me the way that you are that you're reading uh megatron's performance versus what the way that i took it um cuz okay. cuz like at the beginning when he says you know i'm always here for my for my fans or whatever, you know, I'm always here for the Decepticons. And then here, when, when he says spoken like a true Decepticon and everything, it sounds like you are, you are hearing this as, as him being kind of, uh, underwhelmed and, and like, not, not super excited about the way these people are acting. Mm -hmm. The way that I took it was that he's very conflicted uh, because whatever, you know, this project nemesis is very important to him and he came to kind of convince himself to, to shut this place down. And now he's seeing that, you know, he, these are, these are the people who he, whose hearts and minds he has won over. These are his uh-huh. constituents and he is, he is dreading what happens next. Well, oh, I definitely saw the conflict. Like there's. There's a lot of, in his pause and stuff, it's not just that he's underwhelmed. There's a lot of conflict in those words that he says. At least mm-hmm. that's what I saw. Right, the, right. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. The The way that the way that it comes off to me, because what we based on what we saw last season, 
and how grandiose and like with any of those addresses that he did to the Decepticons, it was all very grandiose. So it almost seems like he, when he's presented in like a one-on-one situation, when he's not like being broadcast or anything along those lines, um, to me, I, I do like, I do think as well that, that you're not wrong in what you're saying as far as like the reason, like how he's acting. But I also got a bit of a sense too of the, that he's almost, he, he views them as pawns. And I think that sort of lends into what you're saying and that he's coming here to sur- survey. I think there's definitely a part of him that is, you know, he wants, he knows what's going to happen and what decision he needs to make, but he also needs to be here to see it, to see these faces first before he does it. But at the same time, it's still, these are the pawns. Like these are the pieces that he needs to, to use to get what he needs. And I I think it's, I, I also saw it that, um, like I said, like he's still a little conflicted or at least he's feels, he does have reparate like uh, reservations that he's going to have to shut this down. Like you mm-hmm. just, these people, it's not their fault, but th- for, but I think especially with some of the way he's saying is like spoken, like a true Decepticon, like uh, always here for all Decepticons and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think he's purposely also saying those words because he means it in the grand plan. Like you were saying the grandiose ways, like He's basically saying that in a purposeful way that saying like, yes, I'm here for the Decepticons, which means that if I have to sacrifice you people, I will have to do it. And you should be glad because you are Decepticons helping the Decepticons. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, I think there's also that little bit of an undercurrent Mm. to it. Yeah. Yeah, that could. But yeah, I think he's definitely conflicted. Like, he's not happy. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm thinking that we were. Yeah, he's yeah, he's not. And it. But also, he's he's so convinced throughout the episode that it's Prime's fault. It's yeah, that it's Prime's it. fault. Yeah, basically, mm-hmm. and then it's the Autobots' fault that if they had just if they had just surrendered. And I mean, there's from a certain point of view, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that I necessarily. I mean, I I don't know what I. I it's it's an impossible situation when when you have a a tyrannical government or whatever. And you're just fighting and fighting and fighting. But there is something there is something to this idea that if if the Autobots are just fighting the Decepticons because because and the Decept because they're Decepticons and the Decepticons are just fighting the Autobots because they're Autobots and there's not gonna be any and there's no way for them to be I mean it we don't even know what that treaty said. <laughs> it could have been a perfectly reasonable treaty. But but they you know neither side will will concede to the other, and I mean I do think yeah. that I do think that the that the the uh, that the the auto that the Autobots are the good guys and the Decepticons are the bad guys. But the longer the war goes on, the the more destruction. And at some point, you know, at some point, don't you say we are fighting and we don't even remember what we're fighting over anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we're fighting over this ugly, lifeless rock. Yeah, that's you, pretty you much know. what it's come down to now. Yeah, yeah, it's like, but but they got to keep, you know, they got to keep fighting. It's, you mm-hmm. know, 
Like like they said in like they said in uh, Hitchhiker's Guide, it's a bypass. You've got to build bypasses. <laughs> uh, okay, so, I'll let you guys keep going. Yeah. So so Megatron gets a call from Shockwave, and lo and behold, Shockwave has been keeping tabs on Megatron. He's like, I'm curious, Lord Megatron. This this the scanners are showing that you're in Sector Twelve. Have you made a decision? He's like, I haven't made a decision yet. He's like. And Shockwave's like, well, I need to remind you, we we need the resources from the, that sector to keep the project going. <laughs> Megatron's just like, you'll have an answer when I'm ready to give it. <laughs> and then he's like, you know, need I remind you, Shockwave, that I am in charge. He's like, I'm the boss. Yep. So, so that call ends, and then uh, they continue the tour. Uh, Megatron, you know. They they go walking off a little bit more. Shamble is is saying, you know, with just a few upgrades, this could be one of the top munition producers for the Decepticon war effort. Um, but then Megatron sees a a section sort of off in the distance, and he asks what it is, and it turns out it's the infirmary. And Shamble tries to to play it off. But Megatron wants him wants to see it. So they go off, and then we cut back to Alita. And red alert, Alita sort of starts getting pummeled a little bit. And they're fighting a bunch of refractor clones. And there's actually a uh, impactor body, but he has both ha- arms. He doesn't have the harpoon. Yes. Yeah. Well, he had both hands. <laughs> yes, because Alita has a sword arm too. <laughs> she manages to slice him off. So the there's a quick, you know, little pause in the attack but then they're attacked by seekers and the seekers sort of do a flyby we haven't seen jetfire at this point either uh just to say it's, it's just red alert chromia and alita that we've seen thus far yeah it looks like jetfire's out of this one yeah so we then cut back to megatron and he he's uh surveying the bots that are in the infirmary uh and he asks how much of the workforce is is you know, debilitated. How many can't work? Ninety-two percent. So, so I did some math. Mm-hmm. Um, it said that there were fifty-seven people in the workforce. Yeah, ninety-two percent are. Uh, oh, he, oh, it was 50, 57 that were still working. I th- okay, or maybe it was just total. But because if there's fifty-seven was... total, yeah, and ninety-two percent of them are uh, are not working. Mm. That means that 52.44 of them are are injured. Mm. <laughs> and that leaves that leaves a 4.5 what is it was that 4.56. So so, so basically like five, the five, guy with so basically the, the three guys and him are the only work face. Work yeah, it's the three as yeah, the three it's there's there's four guys basically there's four guys and one of them has a peg leg so he only counts as point, point five six <laughs> of a guy. Yeah. They're doing twenty percent between the so so eight percent. So what that means that, though is that eight percent of the of the workforce is doing twenty two percent level work. So they're doing each of them is, is doing two and a half times yeah, what what the expect what their expected work was. I mean, we're gonna see what happens when in a minute here. But uh, basically, why don't so you keep what, those? Why don't you keep those eight <laughs> percent? 
You know what well, I mean? Actually, I was going to say, what if it's what if it's the opposite? What if the workforce that's left is that the fifty-seven is the entire left of the workforce that is the eight percent working, and those those that we say are all there. That would mean there was what? Uh, what's fifty? What is fifty-seven eight percent of? <laughs> fifty-seven um, is is uh, uh wait okay hold on. Sorry, folks, we're doing math. To, yeah, hard. that's all he's going to slow things down. So, so it's so okay. So, 50, it's 57 over 0. 0.08 equals x over 0. 0.92. Oh, wait, I think, I think if I'm doing like some quick, like back of the hand, you know, uh, back of the envelope there, it's 712 ish is the actual yeah. full numbers. If yeah. if fifty seven is just eight percent, mind you, it's like eight percent of five of seven hundred and twelve, which means yeah. six hundred and fifty five people are in that infirmary. If that's the case, mm. if it's what you said though, Kendall, which by the way, it's it's very uh, vague, so that you can't. Really Did you tell. say you said six six hundred and fifty five point five people? About yeah, are okay. in the infirmary. That's what that's what my math got to. Ooh. Yay for quick. If, if we're, yeah, if 57% is 8% of the work, or if 57 workers is 8%, but regardless, regardless, 8% of the workforce, regardless whether that's four guys or whether that's 57 guys, mm-hmm. 8% of the workforce is, is producing at a 22% of the workforce level. Keep those guys, reassign yeah. them to section 11. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're Either obviously way, yeah. doing a good job. I mean, as long as, as long as they're, I mean, you know, make sure they're okay with doing a genocide. <laughs> um, you know, make sure they're not pissed off that you murdered their brother or whatever. But, uh, you know, if they're really, these guys are pretty, uh, pretty confident, pretty, yeah, they're, they're competent and they're pretty, obviously they, they're loyal. You know, I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kind of agree with you there, Kendall, with this, with 8% doing those numbers, I'd keep those. Yeah. I would keep those, that workforce and just redistribute them. And the other people that aren't there, maybe, you know, I mean, if we're, if we're looking at pure logic, I personally am <laughs> against genocide. Yeah, we haven't really touched all, on what's going to happen yet, genocide. though, Kendall. You're, yeah, you're I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just it's just I feel like I feel, sometimes sometimes the conversation has to has to touch on 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 things. I mean, you know, we don't want to spoil for like future episodes, but I think within this episode. Mm-hmm. The expectation should be that people are, have already watched it, so it's true. So enough. it's okay that it's okay to. I think it's okay to touch a little bit, and we'll talk a little bit more as it comes. But I think it's relevant that like these are these are that there are some 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 folks that if you if you you know found some or like find some find some lazy people from. I assume this works like Hunger Games, where the lower <laughs> the number of sector, the better it is. So find like some lazy people from from sec- sector one remove their sparks murder them and then <laughs> put the good worker sparks in those bodies <laughs> oh my but yes we Me- megatron upon seeing everybody in the infirmary says that he's seen it up so we we then cut back to alita as the the seekers are are getting ready for another strafing run and then we get jet fire coming out of the clouds and takes out two of the seekers pretty handily yeah, Jeff Jeff's on badass. oh yeah yeah he's oh. a very good aerial combat combat it is yeah and again and, this is more of he transforms 
into robot form to land and like jump onto the a seeker and stuff like that. So it's more than just him flying in a plane and dogfighting. It's a uh, yeah. combination. Yeah. And he's just so ruthless. Like oh, these are God. the people that he like worked with. These yeah. are his, these were his coworkers before. Like he doesn't even, you know, he doesn't try to talk him out of it. He just, he just sneak attacks them and, you know, gets that extra five D six damage or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Red alerts really happy to see him. Yeah, he says, I'm really glad that one of us can fly. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) which I think is actually kind of another interesting callback. It's always been, I mean, especially later, later on in Generation Cartoons, that the Autobots never really had a lot of plane or aerial things. It's Mm -hmm. the aerial bots were like a special group Mm -hmm. for them. Jetfire was a special uh, extra like plane. Like they didn't always get a lot of planes. It was always like they the Decepticons had the air superiority because they tended to be more uh, militaristic. Right, right. It's because, yeah, and that's why. It's because because there aren't a lot of civilian, civilian flight. Like, there's not, like, you could somebody could be a police helicopter. Uh, Somebody could be a, a, I don't know, a medevac helicopter. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so so Jetfire has joined the fight. Yeah. and of course, he he said, "Good call, having me wait for the seekers to arrive." She's like, "See, Jetfire, I have my moments." <laughs> so it was all part of the plan. So they they continue in. <laughs> oh my god, we get another joke. Red Alert is like the the jokester of the group because Elita says for for everybody to stay alert as she and Chromia run off, and Red Alert looks at Jetfire and they sort of look at each other and. He gives himself a thumbs up and says, I'm always alert. <laughs> I, I That's that's on the uh, landing page for on the TF wiki for epi- uh, Earthrise episode one. Yeah. So, someone uh, points, you know, put that quote there and it says, and the little caption like, you know, who said it, whatever, says, Elita One warns Red Alert, who's been waiting all day to make that joke. And I kind of agree with that. He looks like he's just been waiting. He's like, oh, if she ever says that, I'm going to mm. use this line. Yeah, like he came up with it, and he's just been waiting. No, it, it was really good. I really enjoyed the humor from Red Alert in this episode. It was pretty damn good. Actually, I, all the humor in this episode was damn good. I thought. I feel like I feel like Red Alert feels like more of a character this season. He was he was mm-hmm. like he was like kind of just like extra. I mean, maybe it was just because I didn't know who he was, and I thought he was Ratchet for half the season, <laughs> but. Uh, but like he he feels like he ha- he's more than just a generic uh, Autobot this season. I, I like that. Mm-hmm. I I was thinking. I don't know. I was thinking that because of the toy lines, that this season was going to ha- introduce like almost exclusively new characters. But I like that it 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 focused in on it, it, this first episode at least. I don't mm-hmm. think we had any like new characters. Meaning you know, I mean, except for the except for the uh, the the Sector Twelve people. Yeah, the district then, twelve people. Were, we had like you know Peter Mellick and uh, Cadmus Everdeen. <laughs> yeah, no, there there really weren't uh, that much in the way of like big memorable new characters. Excuse we got me, a Mellick. we got a we got a specific call to uh, Thunder Hamish. Yes, Hamish. That was another <laughs> but, character. But yeah, uh, most of the the. They tend to use a lot of the the seeker bodies and the refractor bodies for crowds, as we've yes. mentioned before, for Decepticons. So Sc- Scrapface and 
as I said, shambles is what they're kind of referred to on on things. Uh-huh. Uh, Lenny Kravitz. Both... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally, uh, the the uh, at the very beginning, one of the uh, captions said "Seeker One," like in 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 uh, brackets when they shouted off screen. Oh like they, yeah. They really they really didn't. They're really not really giving them a lot of personality, uh, a lot all the times, except for like very certain individuals. Yeah, yeah. So, Elita and the crew uh, have moved into a building at this point. They've apparently got a faint Autobot signal that they're trying to track. We uh, they come across another ambush, and Elita orders Red Alert to try and find another way around. So he transforms. He goes squilling off and uh, while the others are fighting. And we cut back to Megatron, who who's driving off in tank form out of Sector 12. He comes back over this hill. We see the buildings of Sector 12 in the distances. Three of them, three, those three are just waving at him happily. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about uh, Effie Trinket. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Gail Hawthorne and uh, oh Primrose my. Everdeen. <laughs> Um, but Megatron, uh, communicates with Shockwave and tells him to take Sector 12 offline. Uh, and so we then see all the lights in the sector go out, like all the buildings shut down and we hear Decepticons yelling and groaning and Megatron just turns and walks out of view. And then we cut back to Alita as they're sort of pinned down and then Red Alert has managed to get in behind the attackers and... Tosses sort of like a like a sh- uh, shock grenade, kind yeah, of thing? almost like a, a shock paralyzer. grenade. Yeah, it manages to take out all three of the attackers, which is good. Yeah, like I, I like it, to me, it looked like a very non-lethal way to it. I thought, hey, mm. neat. Uh, so, some, you know, they're not just murdering everyone. Yeah, but uh, as they go to track down the signal, they are met by Starscream and more seekers. I think Thundercracker's with them this time, and oh, I forget what the there there is an actual name for for a Green Seeker. I can't remember what it is though. Is it Acid Storm? It might be Acid Storm because it's like a kind of like a joke to Acid Rain. Yeah, um, but Elita and the others are surrounded at this point. So we then have cut back to Shockwave, who is working. We see another shot of the Nemesis on one of his screens. And Shockwave turns around and addresses Megatron and says, the harvest is on schedule uh, with with the change to Sector 12. Project Nemesis will, will you know, we aren't going to have any problems. It's going to be a success. Yeah. And as it turns out, because Megatron says, there are times that I admire your lack of emotions. And Shockwave just bluntly says, deletion of my emotions was the most logical choice. So he literally deleted his ability to have emotions i i kind of argue against that in a certain way but but he has deleted a a good deal of it yeah i think there's i think there's more there's more to it than just well i think a lack of emotion does not completely convey what he can do Mm -hmm. you know like remember how we said like when he when they zoomed in on his face like you could feel the sinisterness in there yeah just because he's cold, calculating, logical doesn't mean that there isn't some kind of uh, uh, force behind it. Mm-hmm. But he is definitely, he is definitely, supposedly, you know, I guess you could say, uh, deleted empathy 
and 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 like uh and compassion i guess yeah like i think it's more like he decided that certain emotions are definitely wrong and he got rid of them yeah you know like how some people say i've hardened my heart like he has literally done that like he has mm-hmm. literally gotten rid of those things yeah, he's gotten rid of any emotions that he felt were unnecessary. Yeah, or ineffective. That might, and that might also include anger, because he hardly ever shows anger. But mm. still, there's there's some other stuff there. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the thing is that what you have to understand is that uh, he's not. Why do Why do we know that Shockwave deleted his emotions? Because Shockwave said that he deleted his <laughs> he emotions. He deleted it. Yeah. He's That's a fucking crazy. He's a crazy dude. Like yeah. he's not. It's it's we. It, I mean, it's just like it's just like how like you know. I mean, the when you talk about logic and shit, I mean, it's like Vulcans. Like Vulcans, it's not that they don't have emotions; it's that they're actually the most emotional, and so they're constantly trying to control their emotions. They're try, mm-hmm. constantly trying to you know. Mm-hmm. Sub, uh, suppress them so yeah. i mean shockwave is freaking crazy and he's a this is like this is like slightly before he's goes crazy because he isn't that like his origin or one of his origins is that he is stuck on earth for like a million years and that's why he's crazy mm-hmm. i think so like yeah. everybody else was asleep but he was wide awake yeah like yeah, he came was... looking for them after the arc and got stuck there and he wasn't in a con un- unconscious like they were yeah, yeah, that was that was the comics, right? Uh huh. I'm pretty yeah, sure that was so, the yeah. comics. Yeah, which I which is that's what I I like. By, I, by I the way, you saying origin. he just he's the one who says he turns off his motion and and stuff like that kind of reminds me of a uh, Arrested Development thing where like uh, maybe and George Michael are talking and she's like and like George Michael's like I just can't help feeling bad for him and it's like well then ju-, and she's like just turn off your emotions and she's like what Yeah, I mean I do that all the time with my parents. I just you know. Uh, like she makes like a like she's clicking a remote motion with her hand is like boop there don't care about my mom at right now right now and he's like and and he's like you can you just turn on and off your emotions like yeah I do it all the time she's like that's and he's like that's something a psychopath does and then she just points her side and she's like boop <laughs> <laughs> oh my but yes this is we we then learn because. Uh, Shockwave mentions the the recycling of the folks from good old Sector 12. And it turns out that the plan all along is to harvest their spark energy for Project Nemesis. Yeah, he's, he says deleting his emotions is logical just as it is logical to use inefficient Decepticons to power Project Nemesis. Yep. So but like they're not inefficient. Eight percent of them are really I efficient. <laughs> I know. Now that you pointed that out, Kendall, it's still it's it blows my mind. Like like you kind of like, but and I mean and I mean also it's like it's like you. I mean I guess the thing is they would be they would probably be mad. But yeah. But like you 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 go through the whole episode. That's that's why this is so freaking crazy. Like you go through the whole episode. And you know that like something bad's gonna happen, and it's like, oh well, they, we're just gonna turn off the lights, maybe like abandon them to their own whatever. We're just gonna stop giving them resources. It's like, no, we are gonna murder our own people. It's it's crazy, mm-hmm. and that's got to be another le- level of of Megatron. Like he's like, I'm supposed to be like the Megatron's whole identity is, 
I should be the leader of everybody because everything will be the best if I'm the leader. He's like Dr. Doom, right? So, so this is a, this has got to be a a moment for him because he's like, I am doing the worst thing. And it's, and it's not even, I mean, they're in a, they're, I guess they're inefficient, but it's not, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not because they're others. It's not because they're of, of any of the other bad, of any of the bad reasons that, that you could have to, 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 to go after people. Um, you know, it's not because they're corrupting our society. It's not, it's, it's just because they happen to be in the, they happen to live in this section that didn't get enough resources. Yeah. And a lot of them got injured. Yeah. And some of them got injured fighting for the cause. Like it's like Mm -hmm. the worst possible thing that you could do on any, you know, from, from any perspective, even the most, even the most like despicable whatever is would not you know would not want to stoop this low unless it was unless it was in a really rough situation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and i think we kind of see that later when he's arguing with someone which will yeah to. which we're just about to get to actually because i think the only thing we need to mention is the how he feels bad that the arena used to be a symbol of decepticon uh greatness and like uh, Shockwave Sykes now is a symbol of Decepticon ingenu- ingenuity in the face of extinction. Yeah, yeah. So Shockwave, I'm definitely getting vibes of. He's really proud of what they're doing. Yeah, and like, like he's I, not. He, and like he, he doesn't have qualms say, about he it. Does ha- he does have emotions? Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah pride. Proud. <laughs> yeah, pride is definitely a thing. Yeah. Yeah, but yes, yeah, Starscream arrives with his captives in tow. Uh, they've got Alita one and the crew all in handcuffs as, uh, Megatron approaches. And, uh, he says that Starscream for once, he is impressed. (laughs) Starscream doesn't please gasp. Yes. (laughs) It even says it in the the subtitles. Um, Megatron does note that Alita has been causing a lot of trouble for them since the space, since the battle of the space bridge. Uh, and they have a bit of a back and forth. Um, <laughs> he's like, considering how things have been going, he's like, maybe I would have followed you. And she sort of makes mention that he would never have made the team. But uh, he says that she surrounded herself with traitors, like their valiant leader and optimist, and refers about how, you know, he's a traitor to everyone with taking the all spark off the planet. And doomed it to dying with yes. them on it. And then, then he addresses Jetfire and says he's a traitor not worthy of his mention. Uh, Starscreen, of course, is very trigger-happy and wants to kill them all right then and there. <laughs> but uh, Megatron says that there's that they, they, they have use for them. And so Megatron tells Shockwave to proceed, and then we get a whole bunch of Christmas lights. No, it's a whole bunch of cylinders with Decepticons in them. And They're throwing Elita... Shambo into one at the very end. Yeah. And Elita asks... And what's... he's saying, I'm a loyal... We get that loyal Decepticon line. Yep. And Megatron says he's doing what's necessary. But uh, as the Autobots look on, look on, a force field surrounds him. And Megatron tells Shockwave to do it. And he hits a button. There's a bunch of electricity. And then we see like this gizmo come up from the center of the arena. And then... The life force gets sucked out of everybody, and they are definitely in pain. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's yep. freaking crazy like, that this that they went that they did that that they actually did this in the oh man. Yeah, it the effect's kind of interesting. Like there's like pinkish smoke that comes from each of the robots in there and then like a golden trail kind of like what happened with the alpha trion particles as well i think yeah, very kind of, a little bit not not as yeah. it's more it's more a vapor trail than a than particle effect yeah. it gets sucked into the middle thing and it starts to glow purple the color of energon yeah yeah there's no paint. energy there's no energy marbles this time yeah but yeah so it all gets sucked in and alita it's like, what are you doing? And Megatron's like, I'm not doing anything. This is a horror that's been forced upon me by your noble leader. And that this is what Prime has left for all of them. And I've got here, I've got one last clip here with this interaction. How, how can you do this? I'm not the one doing this. This is the horror forced upon me by your noble leader. This is the reality Prime left for all of us. Murdering your own kind. Energon? Your concern for my people is needless. The next harvest will be powered by four Autobot Sparks. Take them away. Yes, Lord Megatron. Oh, man. <laughs> crazy crazy shit We're yeah some crazy stuff going on so yes the prisoners are taken away by starscream as megatron walks away it's yeah and then we cut to space and we've got a ship that's approaching the deactivated arc we see a, a hole getting welded out of the side of the ship as we see some familiar figures that they're yeah, they're clone bodies of Wheeljack and Bumblebee or Cliff Cliffhanger, depending on because they're in yeah. shadow, so we don't really see their coloring. Yeah, but we definitely can see uh, uh, Wheeljack with like red lines on his mask face. Yeah, and then we've got one bot in particular who's a different model than any of the others. Who's like, what do we have, or rather, who do we have here? And then we cut to Optimus. His deactivated body slumped over a console, and then we get credits. And that's the end of the episode. And I so. think the credits says uh, that's Double Dealer, who yes. I guess we'll say, so know more about. So so that's kind of interesting. Like, I know, the land, like I said, the landing page sometimes gives names and stuff. Like, they gave name to Shambles and Scrapface very easily if it wasn't obvious. Because I don't think they say their names in the show. No. No. But they also so double dealer is also mentioned there, even if uh, he he's not named right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, interesting episode. I yeah, I really liked the it, for for twenty four minutes and the way that it cut back and forth. I really liked the dynamic between what we have with the Decepticons and what we had with Alita and her group. I felt like because we didn't have as many characters in the episode it really lent itself so that we had a lot of good interactions between the characters. Right. Right. We didn't have as many characters as, as in some of the episodes and almost all of the characters were new or, I mean, we're not new. We're, we're, we're established, you know, with the exception of the old broken down dudes, which they're just old broken Mm -hmm. down dudes. Like Mm -hmm. it's, they're pretty, those characters are are pretty straightforward. Like you could recognize who, 
you didn't get confused who was who. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think this it's a really good first episode. Like it's a good yeah. both as a continuation of the series mm-hmm. and both as like a beginning of a whole new chapter. It yeah. gives a good it not only does it get, it gives like a good catch up slash review in how it works. So you kind of re- like are rec- remembered if you remember like are uh, filled in on what happened last like in the last chapters mm-hmm. uh, without ha- and but and you're like still informed if you hadn't actually yet you still can piece together what it was. So yeah. like as a, as like the first episode of a mid part of a, of a series, I think it's really good. Yep. No, I agree. Right. Def- yeah, definitely. It definitely, it felt like, it very much felt like, well, time has passed. It is definitely, it's picking up where it's left off, right where it left off. This is a natural, this is a natural uh, extension of what we've seen before. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, they didn't plant unnecessary mysteries or whatever. Like we're just, everything's worse than it was before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it ends on a neat cliffhanger that, hey, we still have where the arc is. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, I think it's a pretty strong start to this uh, to this season here. But... I I do kind of find it interesting how uh, the removing of the AllSpark was kind of like a death knell for the planet. I mean, at the very end, it's the only time when, uh, when the Alita one's arguing that she says it was your war that did this. Do we get yeah. the idea that something else might have been the cause of this, like the lack of resources and stuff like that? That that the constant war that he was waging against the Autobots is what ba- actually brought the end to the planet. That d- removing the AllSpark really did make a difference. But he, but Megatron seems very adamant that it that it was the loss of the AllSpark that yeah. made things worse. Yeah, and that that kind of makes me to wonder, like if which which is true, like did uh, did they? Did he, are they going to like Project Nemesis because like they think okay well the jig is up without the Allspark this planet's going to die and everything we see is going to get worse it's not going to get better so we better like you know make plans to for that mm-hmm. or is it because of just the slow draining and the war and stuff like that and that if it if they actually made an effort the planet would live on yeah like it's it's an interesting conundrum I don't know what we'll see but and because I think at this point it's kind of obvious. Obvious to me that Project Nemesis is just them basically trying to get off the planet. Yeah. Or the third option, yes, is was the prophecy or whatever that if you remove the all spark, the planet goes to crap. Uh, was that a prophecy of someone seeing what happened, not necessarily that one caused the other? So yeah. So somebody Ooh. saw that saw that the, the saw that when the you know a a, a seer or whatever saw that when the all spark was removed that shortly thereafter Cybertron was destroyed. Uh, but that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that the all that the all spark being removed caused it to be destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. it's an interesting conundrum, which I, I kind of like that they leave vague for, for the sake of the story. But at the same time, I wish I knew <laughs> just, just for curiosity, for my curiosity sake. Yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe we'll find out this season. Just have I to hope. wait and see. Uh, so we put a call out for questions today uh, yep. I know that we had at least a couple on Twitter But uh, I know we I had put it out on I did not see any on uh, the Facebook Or uh, or uh, I even like dropped some uh, something in our Discord But mostly uh, it was a link to the 
to the Twitter so that you know people could uh, could post it there for us or there. So I don't. But let me just double check the Facebook because I do have the the yeah. uh, Twitter ones. Um, but yeah, I also uh, in case people are wondering, we all, I put up a new uh, banner uh, on the on our Facebook uh, group page because uh, just just for this season for this season because I thought it it was a nice like uh, kind of like overview. Yeah. But let me just make sure, see if there was any comments on those. This should only be a minute. Well, moment. Mm, nope, I'm. Doesn't seem so. My cat's sitting yep. on the back of my chair. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> yep, we. It seems we got no uh, Facebook comments, but uh, like I said, we did get some Twitter questions. Mm-hmm. All right, you ready? Yep. All right, so we got a com- uh, question from Rhea Rose at Rhea Rose Eight. Hi, Rhea. Hey, uh, Rhea. Hi there. I, I hope you all are excited about the series as I am after the first episode. Well, I think we're pretty... Mm-hmm. I think I think uh, we're pretty sure that I am, considering I just watched it all. <laughs> I am. <laughs> uh, did any of you also feel like there was a Beast Machines feel to how the sparks were removed? Um, like, I, I, I explained the, uh, the, the, the way it looks specifically because I wanted to point out that, yeah, the, the, the trail, the the um light trail uh the essence things uh does 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 give a beast machine feel like it does feel yeah. like you know they are they the whole idea of they you know removing the spark to be put into a vehicon body or into a different thing more formatting kind of thing but in this case they're just basically converting it into energy which oof. uh but the part where they're in those cylinders and they're having their like like the that pink stuff there uh, and this is why I brought this up out of uh, off air about this. Reminded me more of robotics. Yes. Because <laughs> there was a big part of that of that sh- uh, of that series where like there are organic like these organic creatures had to basically go into stasis pods underground. Radiation leak caused the problem, and the main computer had to basically install their essence into robot bodies. That was the whole thing like this. I don't know if you ever seen robotics. Uh, Matt, you might want to give it a shot sometime. It is a trip. It was uh, under the Milton Brad. It was a toy line as well under Milton Bradley, which eventually was bought by Hasbro. Which means that it was actually folded into the Transformers universe. Yep. Like there is there is a uh, wiki like if that has some really interesting things about it, but I don't want to go into it unless you know people want to know about there. I do like that it was also done by the uh, Sunbow Cartoon Studio that also did uh, the uh, Transformers G1 cartoon. Yeah, they Mm -hmm. did. Which, as I was saying off-air, is why a lot of the voices were the same. They got uh, Frank Welker, Peter Cullen, Victor Caroli. Like, they Mm -hmm. got a lot of people, so a lot of voices were the same. Yeah. I definitely got a Beast Machines vibe to it. Um, Mind you, of course, the, like artistic license of course for each you know representation of the, of the spark like we had had like a a sphere as a representation of the sparks and beast machines and beast wars but here we're we're not seeing that it just seems like energy that's getting pulled out of the body rather than like a physical thing not, yeah rather than like a physical like object so to speak 
representative of the soul. It's just like sucking the energy out of the body. Man, you you guys remember Beast Machines a lot better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't I don't I I remember some of the the trails and I and like I said like just the idea of them pulling out sparks and putting them in other things. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 definitely I don't know. I yeah I I just I don't I don't remember I remember I, uh, Megatron was crazy and Tankor was awesome and uh, and that uh, and that uh, Night Scream was Michael Jackson those are the only things that I remember oh and also there was that uh, uh, noble noble savage savage noble that was like really annoying and dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those, those are the only things I remember about Beast Machines. The, and the first season was good, and the second season was bad. That I remember, yeah. too. <laughs> so, yeah. There, there's our answers to the first question for you. Yep. And then we got from Cassidy, I have to say, it's an emoji spider, emoji web, cutest spider, at what is cosplay, asked, I'm assuming they got to Earth, and then they corrected this in a Twitter, Earth, goddammit, uh, correct? <laughs> So what's y'all's favorite fauna and flora? Well, despite the fact that it's called Earthrise, they haven't gotten to Earth yet. Because mm-hmm. Earth is rising. Yeah, and, I was going to say maybe the, the rise so means that Earth they're, they're... Is, is pretty low still. Yeah, like maybe they'll get to Earth by the end of it. I mean, Greg knows. I do know. Jerk. Like, yeah. like maybe they'll get halfway there and there will be stuff on Earth. We don't know. Also, I regret nothing. <laughs> <laughs> But um, the fact that yeah, Earth is is in the is in the future and is a definite is kind of is kind of there at least. Um, I don't know. Uh, I still like foxes and wolves as general as just as as fauna. Um, flora, hmm. Maple trees for fauna. I'm yeah, definitely a maple tree. I love I love the color changes in the fall. Uh. A lot of pine trees when I was growing up were were around my old neighborhood, and we climbed those so well, like because of the way that they were, like the inside. Mm-hmm. Like, have, I don't know if you're in an area where where coniferous like pine trees are. Oh great. god, yes. Okay, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Like you know how like the the outer branches are all like the like a Christmas tree, like there in yep. the 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 trunk, and then like and then the branches there are pretty bare inside. Like yeah. they made like perfect step ladders for us as kids. Oh, so yeah. like I mean, pine trees were a lot, but man, the sap. So what's a flora um, and a fauna? What is that? What is that specifically? Fauna, uh, fauna refers to uh, animal. Fauna refers to plants. It's I believe it is just Latinesque uh, terms for them. Okay, so it's not specific. It's not specifically like in the context of like forests or something. No. no, no. Okay. No, it's just generic for plants. So, what's and my favorite plant and what's my favorite animal? Um, my favorite animal is a cat, a house cat. Um, my favorite oh, plant. Uh, yeah, I've I've really I've really like doubled down on the cat, on the cat love <laughs> in the last, uh, especially in the last few years. Ever since we There's got Aquina. Wrong with that. And for She's me, it's sitting like... on my chair now. Aww. Um, but, <laughs> for yeah, me, it's but, for me, it's dogs and whales. But the but the uh, plants. What plants do I like? Yeah, um, that's a little, sometimes hard to think of. I don't know. Like I like I do like trees. I think I like trees. I'm not like a big fan of flowers because a lot of times I'm allergic to them. I'm never around cactuses. I'd say like I'd say like I really like um, 
just like just like uh, not pine trees, the other kind of trees with the leaves. Insidious. Yeah, those kinds of trees. I like those when they're like yeah, insidious trees. <laughs> they're not as dangerous as you think they are. Uh, deciduous. You can tell lot. Deciduous can t- is the word, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. You can tell uh, biology was was uh, one of my focuses in school. Yeah. I. <laughs> it wasn't one of mine. Um, but yeah, the trees with the leaves on them when they don't have leaves on them, those are like yeah. Those are they're like my soul. They look dead inside. <laughs> Aww. Or like a weeping yeah. willow. I like a weeping willow. That's a pretty cool tree. Yeah. Yeah. Like Roots a, a great tree. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yes. There's our questions for the week. Yep. But yeah. If you want to send questions in, hit us up on Twitter at Warren Beast. Or uh, if you want to send us an email, we still got an email. It's WarrenBeastPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, or if you want to look us up on the Facebook group, we've got a Facebook group. Just search for Warren Beast Podcast. And uh, send us a, a join request if you feel so generous, or check out the Discord uh, as part of the Audio Entropy Podcast Network. If you find Audio Entropy on Twitter, it's right at the top of that Twitter. It's a pinned tweet. So, uh, Jordan, Kendall, did you folks have anything you wanted to plug this week? Oh, um, you know what? I'll plug uh, Jesse Cooper's podcasts of uh, Alphabet Flight, Creepy Critters, and uh, Over in Smith. Uh, which is actually kind of fun. Uh, he's still going, you know, still going at. He's been uh, uh, Alphabet Flight has been doing a character from the official handbook of the Marvel Universe at, like three times a week for for a while now. Like it's it is like over six hundred episodes. He got through the original. Damn. Yeah, he got through the original eighty uh, l- release, which was like you know, uh, I've got I've got like books like this is. This is like one of the major like things that got me into comics and really interested in, in the too. Marvel universe because I had like uh, volume uh, seven, eight, and nine. You know, like it was basically like the Encyclopedia Britannica of the Marvel universe, and it was like really fun for me. But he got through that entire like you know the Britannica. That's out. a tree, right? <laughs> Attica. Uh, Maybe he's thinking of Botanica. Botanica. Or so yeah. then you then you remember something else from Beast Machine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's in the eighty nine update and he's gone he's been gathering like, you know, other certain updates. Like after after a while Marvel eventually started doing like little source things like uh they did they did a two I think they did a two thousand five like remake where they tr- updated and try and like did a full encyclopedia. And then after that, they just did like things like uh, all the magic users or, or things pertaining to magic. Uh, I all think the they things... did one for all the X-Men. Yeah. Like all the things doing yeah. the X-Men. Uh, he regularly has, uh, I think what's his name? Rob London on who works with the Marvel research team and helps make things like that. Who did the, uh, who do like, they did us like spider Island thing, spider verse thing. Which oh, talked wow. about all like the inheritors and all, and um, all that kind of stuff that that was like you know that was part of some of the stuff. He also did the Rob Lund also helped work on the the history of the Marvel universe, uh, which was this really interesting series that literally talked about the beginning of the Marvel universe and the end, but like at, via uh, Galactus, you know, just kind of looking over the history of the of the of the universe. So it's like oh. a possible Marvel future. Cool. 
Yeah, like I I honestly would give it a shot. It's kind of fun. Like I mean, yeah, every once in a while you might get an episode where a character's kind of dull, but you know the but thankfully sometimes the, the guest makes it up for it, or or they just trudge just trudge through. Right on. Uh, but sometimes you get some really crazy episodes, uh, and sometimes you get some really odd things, like how sometimes the the uh, uh, article will just give you one sentence about a character before moving on to the next and leave you wondering what in the world they're talking about. Like how Northstar was it was a, a Cubicos uh, part of a Cubicos ter- separatist terrorist group. And oh, that's all Quebecois they t- terrorist. Yeah, group, Quebecois yeah. terrorist group, and that's all they tell us. Before yeah. they go on to let you know he cheated in the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, it was a weird one. And uh, you can find all the stuff I do at Kendallcast.ninja. Um, yeah, I just posted the uh, movie roundtable for 2001 A Space Odyssey. Uh, it's after Christmas, but you can still listen to Christmas specials. Uh, the Kendallcast <laughs> Christmas special is probably the best podcast that I have ever put out. Uh, uh, so yeah, listen to that. It's uh, it's like I did like segments and like original fiction and interviewed a guy that dressed like Santa Claus. Interviewed another guy that like knows how to cook. Um, yeah, it just uh, came together really well. So. Uh, yeah, nice. check that out or check that or like download it and put it aside for like next day after Thanksgiving or something. <laughs> but uh but yeah, the Kendallcast uh Chris or holiday I forget what I called it, the holiday spectacular, Christmas spectacular, I don't know. But it's is a good good thing and I'm hoping that it inspires me to make other good content. Uh but there's lots of content uh quality of various levels at kendallcast.ninja. So check it out. Right on. And as always, you can find this podcast on audioentropy.com. We are on Apple Podcasts as well as Google Podcasts. I think we might be on Spotify now, too. I need to double-check on that. Uh, But you can find us anywhere. So point your podcast feed to to us, and you'll be able to download the episodes accordingly. Are we on Amazon Uh, yet? I don't think we're there yet. Okay. (laughs) Oh, we're on iHeartRadio. Oh. oh, yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> so yeah. rent those cars and program them to audio entropy. <laughs> but yes, we're back for six episodes at least. But uh, we'll get through this season pretty quick, I think. it's, And I think it's going to be a pretty good journey. Yeah. But yes. So for Warren Beasts for this week, I have been Greg. I have been Jordan. And I'm Kendall. To all our one, folks. I am a loyal Predacon with a pig leg <laughs> that does 22% of the work. They had all those numbers. Uh, anyway. <laughs>